Welcome back to Built to Win, presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're going to be talking about election laws in general and taking a close look at the recent law changes in Georgia. Joining me to discuss this very important topic is FGA's own Katie Rogers, VP of Outreach and Government Affairs. Katie, thank you so much for sitting down with the Built to Win listeners today. Thanks, Dan. I'm excited about it. Very important topic. I agree. So a while ago, you publicly stated a quote here I have written down, quote, more Georgians are looking for state legislators to hold election officials accountable and ensure they carry out all of their jobs legally required duties. And the Senate bill at the time, 202, would do just that. So what did Senate Bill 202 do? And you know what does the new law include? Well, Dan, I have a lot to say about that. I think it's really important to point out right off the bat here that securing our elections is very popular amongst Georgians, as well as folks from around the country. I mean, I think there's been this narrative out there being pushed that elected officials went rogue and passed these reforms unilaterally, and that's just not true. Voters across the political spectrum, they want reforms to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And that's exactly what Georgia's Senate Bill 202 did. And so I'm going to talk about that bill specifically. And again, I have a lot to say, so cut me off if necessary. (laughs) So, you know, in a nutshell, Georgia's new election reform bill, which to be clear, as you mentioned, is now the law after being signed by Governor Kemp. In a nutshell, it does just what I mentioned. It makes it easier for Georgians to vote but harder for folks to cheat the system by exploiting loopholes in the election law. And I'll give you a few examples of reforms that were included in this very comprehensive law. So first, it expands early voting hours and in fact, mandates additional weekend days for early voting. And I want to camp on this one for a second because the mainstream media and opponents of the bill, which you could say are one and the same, really got this one wrong. If you listened to that narrative, you'd think Georgia lawmakers severely restricted opportunities, when in reality, they expanded opportunities to vote. So Georgia now offers more early voting hours than many blue states, including, by the way, President Biden's home state of Delaware, which is really not at all what the narrative was saying. So secondly, the bill ensures that voters are who they say they are when requesting absentee ballots. This is pretty simple, right? If you don't have a driver's license, you can actually get a free ID from the state. Third, it makes ballot drop boxes part of Georgia law where they weren't before. I mean, ballot drop boxes were never even a thing before COVID, if you recall. Hmm. And now this new law mandates that each county has a drop box available for anybody to use. So fourth, it requires polling locations that struggle with long lines to take action to prevent that from happening. And Dan, I beg you, please interrupt me if any of this sounds like voter suppression. I I haven't yet. Thank you. All right, so fifth, I'm just going to name a couple more here because they're really important. The bill prohibits private money from flowing into public elections. And now I love this one. I mean, I want you to imagine if it was legal for billionaires to give money to local police departments to influence how to enforce the law. That'd be crazy, right? Well, that exact dynamic was happening in our elections. Billionaires were allowed to give unlimited amounts of money to target counties to help get out the vote. It's outrageous and un-American. And this bill put an end to that. 
Here's my favorite one. This is what another thing that this law did. So, Dan, do you remember opponents of this bill freaking out and pushing the narrative that voters were all going to dehydrate because the bill would prevent water from being distributed while they were waiting in line? President Biden made a big deal about this. I think that was the only thing he mentioned, or at least he loved to talk about that one specific part from my perspective. He did. He really focused in on that. But you guessed it. That was another lie about this bill. In fact, the law explicitly allows for self-service water to be available at all voting locations. And I'll tell you what, I have been a Georgia voter for a quarter of a century, and please don't do the math on my age. I've never been offered water while standing in line to vote. And so I want to personally thank the Georgia General Assembly and Governor Kemp for mandating that water will indeed be made available to voters. One more thing, Dan, I just want to kind of put a bow on all of that. What this law really does is restore voters' confidence in the system. And these reforms give Georgians certainty that their votes actually count. And that's good for everybody, no matter which end of the political spectrum they fall. And it's exact opposite of voter suppression. In fact, it's voter encouragement. So, I mean, you just laid out a litany of what sound like pretty good policies. Uh, At least I wouldn't oppose any one of those. So can you explain to me and explain to our listeners why there's so much pushback coming from folks on this new Georgia law? Yeah, well, Dan, I want to say it's really hard for me to get into the minds of the people on the left who oppose this common sense uh, reforms. Truly, I don't want to get into their minds. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, I will, however, suggest that there are folks on the left who have benefited for years, for decades even, from the lax election laws and sloppy election administration. They exploited these loopholes to their own benefit, and they have a lot to lose from fair, secure elections. So there's actually a recent report from the AP where they were discussing some recent polling, and they actually found that requiring government-issued ID and government-issued photo ID were actually overwhelmingly popular with America. Now, this is the Associated Press we're talking about. This is what people typically hold up as the gold standard. Some people hold up as the gold standard of news reporting and generally is, you know, largely respected. It's it's favored. And what this polling said was that 72% of Americans are in favor of requiring a photo ID to vote. We've actually done some internal polling on this as well. And we found very similar numbers. And the truth is very reflective in both of those polls. So our numbers actually found that nationally, 68% are in favor broadly of election integrity and a lot of the policies that you were just talking about there. So Katie, you said it yourself, you've been a Georgia voter for 25 years. I'm not going to date you. I will not carbon date you. But (laughs) that does give you some expertise there. Where do Georgia voters stand on this issue? Yeah, Dan, that's a really interesting poll results, but but not really surprising when you think about it. And I'll tell you, Georgia voters line up with the rest of America on voter ID requirements. They overwhelmingly support them because they understand that these simple identity cross-check requirements, one, they work to secure the vote and ensure people are who they say they are, and two, They're just not difficult to comply with. The fact is, 97% of voters already comply with ID requirements. And as I mentioned before, anyone who doesn't have a Georgia ID can obtain one for free. I really think, Dan, that voters are smarter than the mainstream media and the political left give them credit for. 
They get it. They know these reforms just make sense. I really appreciate that. I do want to bring up an important bit that I know our listeners are going to be thinking about. It made a lot of waves out there where big corporations were taking some heavy-handed approaches to this new Georgia election law, specifically big corporations like Delta, MLB, Coke, and, and a lot of others, especially places that, I mean, typically work and have headquarters in Georgia and maybe specifically in Atlanta. Kind of an interesting decision there. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And what does that mean? Yeah, interesting decision is one way to put it. <laughs> I think that you can say these companies very clearly were trying to virtue signal Unfortunately for them, at the same time they were trying to virtue signal, they are alienating the great majority of their consumers. I mean, you've seen the numbers out there. Folks just support these types of election reforms. And listen, it's clear that these companies don't even know what's in these laws, in particular the Georgia law. If they did, they'd feel really dumb for taking such an uneducated, misguided position. Frankly, I think most of these companies are regretting coming out publicly against election reform at this point. So we are planning to release a full podcast segment covering HR1 and S1, which is a very large package moving at the federal congressional level there. And it, it has to do with elections. Just broadly, because we're talking about elections today, give our listeners a quick download on what that is and why it's important for them to know about. Yeah, Dan, this is a this is a really critical issue that most folks aren't even aware of, which, you know, frankly, that happens a lot in Congress. They try to, to pass things without folks being aware of it because they know that they would hate it. And in this case, what we're talking about here with HR1 and S1 in Congress is nothing less than a federal takeover of elections. Truly, this is unprecedented, and Americans across the board absolutely hate this idea when we poll it. Voters across the political spectrum all agree to the tune of 58%, Dan. That's 58% of Democrats, of Republicans averaged. So it's really unprecedented. They all agree that Congress should not take this power away from the states. It's really kind of unprecedented. And I think what we're seeing now in Congress is that even moderate Democrats from across the country are taking a step back and saying, wow, this really isn't a good idea. So there's a lot still to come on HR1 and S1. I really appreciate that download. I know our, our listeners will as well. It's an extremely important topic. So please look out for our upcoming podcast on that segment. But getting back to Georgia and you know a little bit more about what's going on in election reform, although we have been talking about Georgia, we've been seeing some recent moves on election integrity and election reform, specifically in Arizona on one specific topic that I know is near and dear to FGA's heart, banning funding of public elections from private interest groups and from private individuals. So talk to our listeners about that broadly. I know we're going to be going into this in depth in many other segments as well, but what are states doing and why is it now the time to take action on election integrity? Yeah, Dan, what we're seeing is common sense election reform bills advancing in states across the country. I mean, we're talking about, we're tracking thousands of election reform bills in states across the country. They're really following Georgia's lead on this. We've seen really impactful reforms already pass in Arizona, like you mentioned, Iowa, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, just to name a few. And even more bills are positioned to pass in many other states before the end of the year, before the legislative sessions adjourn for the year. 
And I think regarding the timing of this, I think elected officials realize how important it is right now to give voters the confidence that their vote counts, that their vote isn't going to be canceled out by the actions of others who seek to undermine the sanctity of our elections. And really, I think what elected officials realize is that this isn't about what happened last November. It's about what happens going forward. It's about preserving the integrity of future elections, really for everyone. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Katie. That, that does bring us to the end of our podcast segment today. I've been your host, Dan Reynolds, here at Built to Win, sitting down with FGA's own VP of Outreach and Government Affairs, Katie Rogers, who's giving us a deep dive as a Georgia native and someone who works deeply and closely on these policies of election integrity and election reform. Katie, thank you so much for walking our listeners through everything and just talking about how these are truly 100% broadly supported policies by the American people and just kind of bringing some truth to the subject. So thanks very much for sitting down with us today. Thank you, Dan. It was a lot of fun. And if you are interested in having your ideas or yourself featured on the Built to Win podcast, do not hesitate to email me at dreynolds at thefga.org. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Built to Win, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a nonprofit organization helping millions achieve the American dream. To learn more about our work or our experts, visit www.thefga.org and tell us what you think on Twitter at Built to Win Podcast. Views and opinions expressed by guests on Built to Win do not necessarily reflect the official position of the Foundation for Government Accountability and are not intended to advocate for or against the passage of any legislation or ballot initiative or to support or oppose any candidate for elected office.